Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. My dear listeners, it is I, your host from the coast, William Powell, otherwise known as the King of DC Media. Tonight's guest is communication expert and actor Bob Pass, the author of the new book, Communicating to Win, in Life, Love, and Business. But first, let me remind you that the Inside Acting Radio Show is brought to you by DC Actors Examiner, a fantastic column written by yours truly. Many great Q&As and reviews to be found out there. Find it by Googling DC Actors Examiner. I'll be on stage again in May, playing Bobo in A Raisin in the Sun. That's May 15th through June 6th at the Greenbelt Arts Center. For more information, go to www.greenbeltartscenter.org. You should be following me at Twitter, the Twitter handle there is forward slash inside underbar acting and the Facebook handle for me to follow me on Facebook is William.T.Howell. My guest tonight, Bob Path, is a communications expert, speaker, author, and thought leader, empowering industry leaders, companies, and academic institutions. Bob is a SAG AFTRA actor who has been featured on the nationally syndicated Steve Harvey Show, as well as having his own CBS radio show, Communicating to Win. He's had a competitive edge segment on Fox 45 and WBAL's Good Day Baltimore. And his website is bobpath.com. That's P-A-F-F, bobpath.com. Now, you know, Bob, uh, he just came from uh, an event that was called uh, An Evening with Bob Pass. It was up there in Baltimore, and he's here today to talk about his book, Communicating to Win in Life, Love, and Business. So I see he's on the line, so let me bring him on in. Good evening, Bob. Hey, William, how are you? Fantastic, fantastic. So how was your event up there in Baltimore? Oh, it was terrific. Um, you know, could, um, pe- we had people coming from all over the region. So down in your your part of the uh, the woods down there in D.C. and northern Virginia and all over Maryland and Pennsylvania. And uh, it was a fabulous event hosted by Roy's in Baltimore. So uh, I, I could not be more pleased. So, man, diving right into the book. So uh, what did you set out to teach your readers in uh, your book? Well, you know, fundamentally, Wade, when you think about it, um, we, uh, we're, we're not taught how to communicate. We don't communicate very well and very effectively as a society, as a global society. Um, it, you know, if we're lucky, we're taught manners and we're taught social skills by our parents. But uh, we're really not taught how to communicate. And so what, what 
you know, I wrote this book based on my own personal experiences. It's a, it's a transparent uh, look at my life, my successes, my failures. You know, the great Chinese proverb talks about there's great opportunity and pain. So I wanted people, I wanted my six children to look at life through my eyes and through my mistakes. And if, if I can help one person who goes on to help one person and so forth and so on, um, that's really uh, what what the message was about. It was really written as a handbook, and, and folks are utilizing it the way I would hope they would. They're, they're taking it in the car, and the plane, and the train, on the bus. They're putting it in their briefcase, in their purse, and they're referring to it um, uh, as a handbook, as a guide to help them overcome the daily challenges in life that we face due to our inability to communicate effectively. Yeah. Now, what are some of the, the characteristics of a great communicator? Uh, you know, it's a great question. And, and what, I, what I tell people that you need to do for your, your listeners out there all over the world that are tuning into this, and, and I, we'd love to hear some, from some folks, um, is you, you need to say what you need to say. You need to listen to those voices. And, and Chopra talks about, you know, the our gut, and your gut's really wrong. So what I try to tell people to do within the, within the context and the framework of this book, William, is to be true to yourself, to listen to that. You see, we're programmed. Let's, let's go back to Freud said in the first five years of our lives, um, our personalities are formed. And so and we talked about this tonight. I got up at the event, I talked, and I had people in the audience get up and talk about their dreams and their hopes and their aspirations. But so often... We live our lives through the expectations of others. We become things that others wanted us to be. You know, we, we say things that others want us to say. So much of what we do, William, and Gandhi talked about this, is based in fear. You know, we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of embarrassment. So we never really get to the point where we can say what we need to say and that we can be, this message is about empowerment. It's about being true to yourself who you are, who you were meant to be, what you want to do, what your contribution to the world is. Because ultimately, if we're authentic, we're going to be better for not only ourselves, but we're going to be better for those around us. We're going to be better for our children, for our spouses, for our employers, for our employees. And it's a global message of communication that needs to be heard. It needs to be heard politically. It needs to be heard, you know, from a religious perspective. It needs to be heard from a racial perspective. It needs, it's, it's, a, it's an evergreen global message that we need to put on the table. You know, we need to start talking about why we don't communicate the way we should communicate. Yeah, I think that's very important. So uh, how do you think actors can treat themselves like businesses? It, it's... Uh, you know, I, one of my favorite talks, William, is me ain't treating yourself like a business. And I, and I came to the acting, modeling, voiceover world at the ripe old age of 50. Um, <laughs> and so I, you know, and, and I, as you said, I mean, I play a, a congressman in the House of Cards on, uh, you know, the Screen Actors Guild. I mean, I, I've, I'm seen all around the world in various things, whether it's print or, or acting or, or speaking. Um but I I came to that world from a business uh, world, sales, marketing, finance, all those things. And so what I think actor, I, I've been amazed. 
because everybody assumes that actors and actresses are, you know, they're they're out there and they're comfortable in their own skin. I actually found um, not so much. You know, I I think you need to when you're going in, whether it's an audition or or for a role that you're doing, you need to be you. You need to, and I know this whole, and I guess we can, you know, we we, we can go back to, um, uh, you know, the, the the method acting theory certainly, but you need to just be who you are. And I tell people all the time that I talk is um, uh, you need to be memorable. And that's something that you're, that, you know, the actors who are out there listening and the actresses and the models, be memorable. Go in and, I, you know, William, I've kind of broken all the rules. I go in and I say, good morning, good afternoon, please and thank you. You know, I, I, I was told early on when I started this, oh, don't ask for feedback. Don't do this, don't do that. You just kind of go in and, nicely and politely do what you're supposed to do and leave, well, uh, you know, I can't do that. <laughs> so I've approached it the way I would approach a business situation. And what I would tell that your actors who are listening here is, you know, be yourself. Look, treat yourself as a temple of business. You have to think of yourself, you know, again, me, Inc., you know, treating yourself like a business. And how do you get to that next step? How do you get that role? How do you get... What do you want to do? What do you want to be? Stephen Covey talks about it. Begin with the end in mind. How are you going to get to that Academy Award winning role? What are the steps that lead up to that process? Um, and, and I've had a lot of fun with it. I have to tell you, I've been very blessed. I've been very fortunate. I have great representation um, all over the country. But I know my strengths. I know what I like to do. and I'm good at what I need to do, William. And that's the other thing that I think your, your listeners need to embrace. Are you good at what you do? Um, if you are, let the world know that you're good at what you do. You're not going to get all those roles. You're going to get the roles you're supposed to get, not every role. Walk away from it. You know, it goes back to yeah. what I tell people when I wrote my book. Don't take things personally. And you know that. You know, you go in and you did a I, – I was watching the 50th anniversary of, of The Sound of Music, and, and it was interesting as I watched – who the actors were that auditioned for the role of the Von Trapp children, the Osmond brothers, you know, so many people who were turned down. Did it make the Osmond brothers unsuccessful because they didn't get cast to be in the sound? And he said, of course not. So right. we need to let it go, move on, and realize, you know what? I'm not supposed to get this role. This is not where I'm supposed to be. It's not where God wanted me to be. I'm a very faith-based man. And so it's not where God wants me to be at this point. It's not what my calling is right now. It's not what life, um, you know, has has uh, has mapped out for me at this point. Yeah. Now, how do you think actors can uh, be better networkers? I love that question because that speaks to my sales and my marketing background. I really think let's blow that question open, William. Let's make it more global. I don't think that we, in general, as a people, are very good at. I don't actually like the word networking. I like the word connecting better. And we don't connect hmm. very well as a society. Let me give you an example. In a business situation, um, you know, we tend to think about, well, that person is not a good prospect for me. Um, so, therefore, I'm not going to seek them out. I'm not going to court them. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to respond. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Everyone that you meet, uh, in, the, in, the, in the world. So if you're an actor, you're a, you're a CEO, you're whatever you're doing, um, presents an opportunity, a 
for you to succeed and presents an opportunity for you to do business because where we fall short is we don't realize that it may not be that person, but it's the person that that person knows. And you know that. It's, you know, we're one step away from that next connection, that next job. And so what I think you need to do is, as Abraham Lincoln said, and Lincoln is one of my favorite people, and he's given us so much, but Lincoln said, whatever you are, be a good one. And and I think, you know, from his humble roots, uh, whatever you are, whatever you're being, you need to embrace people. You need to embrace people around you. You need to be, as I talk in my motivational um, talk, be aware, be present, and be in the moment. Let me repeat it. Be aware, be present, and be in the moment. So when life puts you in a certain situation, puts you in the company William, of certain people, you're there for a reason. What your job is to identify what that reason is. And so often we discount things by saying, oh, you know, there's no acting role or there's no connection here or whatever. You need to be memorable. You need to be polite. You need to show up early. You need to say please and thank you. You know, all of those things you need to be humble, William. You need to be grounded. You need to be appreciative. So I'm all about the gratitude. I don't care what you drive, where you live, who your mother is, who your father is, which one of the three ships that your family came over to this country on. God created us all equally. And so you need to be a little bit humble in, uh, you know, your presentation. Let me just put it that way. So I think actors and actresses, and uh, you know, need to sort of broaden that horizon and realize why are these people in my life? You know, why, why, and, and think about what it is. And, and you may be, and you know, the, the play or the movie, the six degrees of separation, we're all connected yeah. at some level, right? And so whether it's right. six degrees of, 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 of separation or as Chopra says, we're all connected by the same energy. I mean, my message, my book is now being read and seen and shared in Germany, in Australia, in India, in Canada, in Ireland. And so I could discount that, William, and say, oh, you know, I'm a local guy here. I live in I live in Baltimore, Maryland. What's my connection to Ireland? What's my connection to India? Well, I look at everybody as being of the same universe. We all need to effectively communicate. And so it's a global message that nobody's talking about. He's talking about, wait, but by the time your feet hit the floor in the morning when you get out of bed, you are communicating. And we need to embrace that. So, again, whether we're actors, models, you know, whatever it is that we do in this life, parents, husbands, wives, fathers, and mothers, we, you know, we're communicating. Uh, Bob, you touched on something I thought was very interesting gratitude. Now, you know, there's, uh, in the acting world, I know there's, there's gratitude uh, in the audition uh, process, uh, both going in and then after the audition. So talk about some ways some actors can can bring gratitude to that situation. I, I think the way you bring gratitude, and I, and I, I stop and think again, is the, the, the short, you know, I'm media trained, so don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to think that, you know, hey, I've been doing this for just a short period of time and I, and I, and I lucked out. I mean, it's not that. I've been preparing for, I, I think we prepare for things for our entire life. And um, mm. and so I've been getting myself ready for this. And so I think the gratitude, 
comes from, I, th- I think, of the three agents I have in New York. I think of my friends who are casting directors and actors in New York, um, in L.A., and all these different places. I, I think, William, you know what you have to do, and I can put it in its most simple, you have to own it. You have to mm-hmm. own it. You have to own who you are. You have to put it out there. Um, you, you have to express that gratitude and that, you know, I, I hate to say this because um, I <laughs> cringe when I say break the rules, but, you know, again, I was warned when I went into this, don't do this, don't, you know, I, wa- I walk in and I say, good morning. And I say, good afternoon. And I say, hey, you know, thanks for having me. Was, was that okay? You want me to do it again? William, you've got to be, you've got to be real. You can't, because you can't be like everybody else. You've got to be William. I've got to be Bob. Mary's got to be Mary. Susie's got to be Susie. And as you know, with casting directors, Sometimes they don't even know who they want until you present it. Sure. Right? I mean, they had an idea of what this character's going to look like, but William came in and just, like, you know, blew the doors off the place and gave us a perspective on this character that we didn't have. And we like what he did with this character. We like what he did with this role. We like where he where he took this. It's got to be you. And but But I think, again, it comes back to, um, and, you know, I'm going to use the word chemistry. I mean, you know, we hear chemistry and, and relationships, but there's also this chemistry in life. Some people we like, some people we don't. You walk into situations, feel the energy, and, and, and there are people in uh, in New York that I really love working with, and then there are people in New York, if I get the audition, I'm like, oh, you know, they're disrespectful or they're this or they're that or whatever. You 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 need to be aware of those circumstances um and you need to also have pride in what you do i think so many people really you know i question when i speak i say hey how many in this room are good at what they do and you'd be amazed the hands don't fly up they should fly up um but they really don't so there's a reluctance and i would say to people are you confident when you walk into this audition that you know I, i listen william this is this is funny and i know you've been there some of the best auditions i've had I didn't get the role. I remember an audition in New York that I did, and I sat there, and it was, and I cried. You know, it was a very moving scene, very moving wow. commercial, and I'm sitting there with this whole panel of people, and they were speechless, and I really emoted. And, and, and how did I get there? I got there because I have a daughter who has epilepsy, and I was thinking about a seizure that she had, and I was thinking about the possibility of losing my daughter, and it was a role similar where I'm, I almost lost my wife. And I was mm. crying. I was sitting there. And they were, I looked at them, William, and they were moved. I didn't get the role. I didn't get the, I didn't mm. get the gig. And yeah. so, right? And you know, you do your best. But you know what? I would not have done anything differently than yeah. I did. I gave it my best. I felt it from the heart. I delivered it like I thought I should deliver it. And then you walk away. Because, you know, maybe I was too fat, too skinny, too too tall, too, you know, you can't even worry about that kind of stuff. you got to know yeah. that what you did at the end of the day was the best thing. Hmm. Yeah, it's very subjective, and casting can be like yeah. putting together a puzzle. Another thing that, uh, to hear you talk, I'm also thinking about, I guess it's a little bit like sales, too. A lot of times, I think it does come down to, to numbers and repetition and showing up. A lot of it is showing up you know casting directors will remember you and you keep you keep i think i heard you say putting it out there just keep 
putting it out there. I think there's what are some ways that you think that 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 whole uh, this concept of being a professional auditioner? How does that uh, parallel with sales, the sales world? Well, I, you know what, what you said about, and I don't know if it was Woody Allen or somebody, but that's that's actually a quote that um, what what is it, eighty five or ninety percent of life is showing up, and so it, it's it's true. I think you. Um, you do. It's 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 a numbers game, and so if you want to look at sales and marketing from that perspective, it's um, it's a numbers game. I it's it's interesting because now that I like you, you know, done these things, a train actor, and I and I've and I've got really commercials and things that are running all over the world, and I'll see people in certain commercials, and my kids and I will talk about it. I'll say, hmm, now would it have mattered if they picked somebody else? You know, is that actor that I'm looking at on that commercial or that show going to change the way, I, am I going to run out and buy that soap? Am I going to run out and buy that shampoo? Am I going to run to Applebee's and have dinner because that actor compelled me to do it? And the answer, I think, most of the time is no, absolutely not. It really, and it goes to the subjectivity that you just talked about. I think, hmm. though, here's the difference, in my opinion. We Think about your, yourself. We like to work with people who are cooperative, people who are polite and friendly and easy to work with. So I show up early for jobs. I, you know, I ask people if they want me to do it again. I'm happy to stay until the job's done right. You know, I'm in the, one of the tests, one of the litmus tests is would you sign your name to it? You know, is that what they wanted, which could be different from what you think the delivery was. So you think you nailed it? But I think you always have to say, you know, want me to do it again? Um, I I don't have an ego. I mean, I have strength in terms of I know I do a good job and I know I'm good at what I do. But the ego piece um, is entirely different. We're hired to do a job. We're hired by a client. We're hired by casting directors, you know, the agents, whoever it is, that there's something about us. And I think an intangible part of it is that you're likable. You know, you show up on time. You um, uh, you've probably seen William. I, I recently, um, what's her name, Monique, I think, who won the Academy Award for that movie that she was in. Now, lately, apparently, she can't get she can't get work. Have you seen hmm. any of those interviews? That right? She can't get work, and what people are saying is she's difficult to work with. She's hmm. Difficult to work with. Yeah, I saw we that. Wanna, we, Right? We want to, yeah, we apparently, I mean, the woman won the Academy Award for, you know, whatever the movie she was in, but now she can't get work. Right, exactly. She can't get work. Mm. And she's defending herself, which I don't know if I was her handlers, if I was her publicist, if I would have gone viral with, you know, with that and and taken such a defensive posture, um, but she can't get work. I mean, I think ultimately we're, you know, we're hired to do a job, and um, and that's what you got to do, and you got to let it go, and you can't take it personal. So much of what we do, see, here's the thing. I, I think so much of what we do and so much of who we are is based on that family of origin. It's based on who we are in that first five to ten years of our lives. It's based on the expectations yeah. of others. It's based on your relationships. It's based on what your parents expected you to do and what they expected you to be, and we operate from that place, William, and so everything that we do in life, in our relationships, you know, in our in our marriages, in our acting careers, and whatever we do comes from that place. And here's one thing that I would say to your listeners. 
uh-huh. what you need to what you need to say to yourself in any situation, whether it's an audition, whether it's a date, I'm a single guy, whether it's a date, is you always need to your set point is here's your set point. Big 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 statement here. How does it make me feel? Where hmm. we can go, you can't control others, you know, reactions, and all you can control is your yeah. response to them, right? You can't control what other people do. You can only right. control your response to that, but you need to continually ask yourself, how does this make me feel? And then think about that. Oh, it makes me feel lonely. It makes me feel afraid. It makes me feel angry. And then you need to trace that back. We need to go back because, you know, at some point in my life, I was bullied on the playground. And so if I go into an audition and I'm like, no, 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 do it that way or do it this way or that was wrong or that was horrible, that's, William, we're pushing those buttons. You know, those triggers that are set there for us become reunited, reignited, and we need to ask ourselves always. I mean, that's my set point. That's the barometer. And I tell it and I write about it and it's in my book. Ask yourself, how does it make me feel? Because, you know, very little of what we do um, has any significance to really other people, um, you know, in terms of what's going on now in our lives. It really is how you're programmed, how you're wired, how you were raised, how you were taught, how you were conditioned. We operate from that place. And, yeah. And yet, yeah. And yet it, we, what we don't do is we don't own it. We don't say, I control my emotions. I control my reaction, my response to other people. We're ultimately responsible for ourselves. And yet we yep. look to blame other people because it's easier to do that. I'm going to kind of dig a little bit deeper into that there, Bob. Uh, you okay. talked about <laughs> buttons and, and triggers, buttons, yeah. triggers, that kind of thing. And there's this whole business about things rather than responding, reacting rather than responding. Mm. So, like, what, what's your view on that? So, like, let's say your actor or is in a, a uh, contentious situation. Maybe there's a contentious situation between, like, a director and an actor. For some reason, they're huh? not getting along. They disagree on artistic vision, how a line is said, these kind of things, and there's conflict there. So talk so talk a little bit about that, you know. How, how people can do a better job of, like, responding rather than reacting. Well, you know, responding is, is, is in the present. I, I think the easiest way to delineate that for your listeners is responding is in the present. Reacting is in the past. And so I look at past and present. A reaction comes from those buttons that you just alluded to. A response comes from, you know, it's like the, it, uh, and I love this line, you know, the, the lawyer never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Why? Because he doesn't yeah. want to be surprised. He doesn't want to be blind, blindsided, right? And then also, right, exactly. we in the legal terms, right? We, we say, just answer the question. Think about what happens. Somebody asks you a question, and you say, um, you say, well, have you ever, have you ever had chicken pox? Um, <laughs> yeah, I did when I was five, but then I had malaria when I was eight. I, I didn't ask you that. <laughs> right? Think about it, right? I asked you if you ever had right. chicken pox. What's the answer to the question, yes or no? And so mm-hmm. we tend to, because so that's the difference between the reaction and the response. The responder says, no, I've never had chicken pox. The reactionary says, oh, I did, but then I had malaria, and I had typhoid fever, and I had this, and I had that. And yeah, but it wasn't really, so I'd ask you. So that's the difference. That's a great question, by the way. 
because we tend to uh, you know, mix the two up, a reaction and a response. But again, the reaction is let's let's you know let's uh, that's that's the past. I'm reacting to that button that you pushed. I'm feeling inadequate. I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling threatened. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling ugly. Whatever it is, is your reaction. The response is, have you ever had chicken pox? No. So there's that's a huge difference. But here's the challenge. When you're in an audition or, or we're, we're dealing with things that come at us at a very fast pace, it's really hard, really hard. And the train actor... Uh, you know, we'll stop, and I'm sure you do this, and, and, and those of us who are used to doing it will say, hey, can I read that first? You know, when I go and I do an audition and some teleprompter or whatever and say, do you mind if I rehearse this? Can I go through it? That's not, and maybe they're recording it, but who cares? It's not, you know, that's not, quote, unquote, the audition. I want to feel for this. Is this how, you know, what? that's the other thing that I would suggest to people, William, that, that people do is say, how do you see this? How do you want me to read this? How do you want me to deliver that? Because we go in from one perspective, you see the character based on your interpretation, your life history, right? Your, right. your reality, and your reality is different from the director's reality or, the, or whoever it is. And so you say, how are you seeing this guy? You know, is he this? I, I really read him as angry. And I say, no, we see him as kind of lonely. We see him as kind of like lost or depressed, which is different than angry. But your interpretation of things, so... Uh, you know, I, I, it doesn't mean you're going to get the role, but it does mean that you're going to clarify it and you're going to drill it down and you're going to get closer to what they want by asking those questions. I found in my time doing this at a pretty high level. I mean, New York is, you know, the a lot of people are, you know, it's a it's the center of the world. So you get to New York, you're you're at the big time, and and even in New York, I go in and I'm kind of amazed at the folks who really don't say. Um, out of fear or whatever, embarrassment. Or, you know, I don't want to say, oh, I don't know. How are you interpreting this role? How would you do this? How do you want to see this? And I'll tell you what, my, my friends who are, you know, people that I've, I've auditioned for, can't respect that. Own the role. You've heard that before, but own the audition. You know, go right. in and say, right, you know, I love, and I've said, I've, I've said it before. It's like, man, I really love this character. I love the copy. I'm a writer. And so a lot of times I'll, I'll want to do things because I really love the copy. I really love the script. And I turn things down for the same reasons. So I mm. think you need to be authentic. You need to be true to yourself. You need to realize that, um, again, uh, because if you can be impassioned and you can own that and you can come from, you know, that, that the sort of Meisner perspective that you, you're, you know, you're owning that, you can live that, you you've been there, then you're going to be more convincing when you go over the role. Yes, yeah, like Clint Eastwood used to say back in, uh, he started out in the 50s, he said, I don't know if it was a casting director or somebody he knew, he said, when you go into an audition, you go in and you you, you play it ballsy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, and, and I, would say, I would say this to people too, have fun with it. You know, yeah. have fun with it. Go in there and, and, and you know, give it your best and, and have fun with the role. And, uh, you know, I just did a – I did something here locally, and uh, and the feedback I got from everybody who was involved on the production end was, you were great. And, and it wasn't because they said, you know, you're, you're, you're super talented or you're this or that or whatever, but it was, 
what, what, what they talked about, William, was they said you brought an energy to the set that really elevated everyone's performance. Now, what a great compliment that is. Yeah, and I think about absolutely. me, certainly because what, right? Because as a writer and a speaker and what I do, but how often are you involved in a production where, um, you know, everybody on the other side of the camera says, man, you really, you, you got everybody fired up. You were the catalyst. You were the one that really got everybody energized. And, you know, listen, man, this, is, this stuff isn't rocket science, right? We're not doing brain surgery. Um, you know, we're selling peanut butter to toothpaste to Viagra. I mean, so, or whatever, and everything in between. <laughs> it, ain't ro- it ain't rocket science. So if you can't have fun with it and laugh about it and bring energy and get everybody else, um, you know, on the set laughing and having fun, and which, which, which translates into them bringing their best, then, you know, go big or go home. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, that's, go big or go home. I mean, it's the way I look at right. things. That's right. You talked about writing, and uh, what, what are some of the things that uh, you look for in a script that uh, you think would make it an above-average script? Something you would want to do? There is a. I'm not going to mention the the name. There's a there's a, a a think tank organization, for lack of a better expression, in the DC area, that does a lot of um, sort of political. Um, satire and 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 I like I like things for me that are um, maybe a little edgy. Um, I we I like to you know as a thought leader as a writer I like to um, uh, stimulate conversation. So I like to do things that are certainly subject to interpretation that you know have a little bit of of meat and substance to them. So. Um, you know, and it's just who I am. So I like good copy. Uh, some things that I've said, and this is another thing that I that I hope actors are doing, is um, I've asked people, you know, when you when you go into an audition, don't be afraid to say, "Do you mind if I ad lib this?" or "Do you mind if I, you know, I just say to them, just be honest and say, I don't. I get a lot of things. I've got. I told you my background is sales, marketing, finance, and 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 medical, and and and, and banking. Um, and I get a lot of things related to that. I get a lot of things because I get typecast into that CEO, that political. You've seen some of my my pictures. Um, I get typecast into a lot of those things. Can't be afraid to sort of you know to to, to mix that up and to have fun with it and to. Um, you know, I, I will say to people, listen, I've been in financial services for 25 years, and I would never say this. Here's the fascinating thing. I, I've gone to, and you probably have as well, and, and many of your listeners, is we've gone into auditions with uh, people who are, you know, young adults, 25 to 30 years old, who have very little life experience. And I'm going in as a guy who built a department, who ran a company, who built an agency, and yet I'm told how that person would think, act, and what they would say. And <laughs> I'm not a, I, right. And I'm not afraid to say, you know, as a guy who built the private bank department for a major United States bank, that's not what I would say. And I think you need to be, uh, you know, you need to be comfortable owning that. You need to be comfortable saying, can I go off script? You know, can I ad lib this? And most people, in my experience, the better people, the more comfortable, the more confident, the more secure casting folks will say yes. 
you know, they might say, well, the client really wants to, because maybe there are some regulatory issues because the financial world is, is highly, highly regulated. So everything has to go through the lawyers. So maybe you do need to do exactly verbatim based on the script, but maybe there's an interpretation of it that you can do that is more authentic. And it's something that they would like even better. So I, but, but you know what, William, you need to ask. And I talk about this in the book, communicating to win. Think about that. In life, love, and business, we only get the things in this life that we're not afraid to ask for. If you never ask, William, the answer's always no. Think about it. If you yeah. never ask, the answer's always no. So the only thing you can get out of the ask is a yes. Because you yeah. start at a no, right? That's right. So you you say to the casting person, hey, do you mind if I go off script? Do you mind? I, I personally like to ad lib. And I'm on three national speaker bureaus. And even when I get up and I do keynote speech, speeches, I like to ad lib. I don't like to be – I can read from a teleprompter. I can do ear prompting. I can do all those things. But I really like to just feel it from my gut. And I like to own it. And I like to feel the energy off the audience. And so I yeah. think you need to do the same thing in those auditions. You need to say, hey, I understand, and we'll do it this way. Do you mind? I, I, I see this role. I see this character a little bit differently. And I'm really amazed, quite frankly, at the number of actors who don't ask, who people go in there and, and they just do it as it is. And, I, and I, you know, I, I really do think, in fairness to the casting people, that they want to see some originality. They want to see interpretation. You know, how do you see this character? How would you do it? And then you go on and you do it and you own it, and then you walk out. And they liked it or they didn't like it. But you've got to know that at the end of the day, your interpretation of that came from your heart, came from your life experiences, and, and you know, you did the best you could do. Yeah, you got to ask. You get in life what you negotiate. Okay, That's Bob, exactly I'm gonna, right. yep, I want to switch gears here and uh, get a little bit more philosophical. So now what's the key to living a life of no regrets? I will tell you that I've come to that answer within the last year. Uh, it may surprise you. And I, and I think that, and I look at myself, I'm going to answer that question as it relates to me. Are there things in my life that I would do differently? The answer is yes. Do I have regrets in my life? The answer is no. And people talk about regrets, uh, and, and everybody will, oh, you know, you shouldn't regret anything or whatever. Agree. I, I think but you need to be comfortable and secure. Listen, my life did not turn out the way I planned it. It really didn't. Mm. It didn't. I thought I came from a broken home. My father left us when I was 10 years old. I moved out when I was 16. My father was homeless for a while. Um, and so yet people look at my picture and they see what I do and they think, oh, this guy said, you know, what does he know about my life? I've spoken in homeless shelters. I get that. You don't want to get that call at 10 o'clock at night from a hospital that's about to discharge your, your father to a shelter for the homeless. You're a strange father. Um, mm. and, and but, but here's what you need to do. You need to, otherwise those regrets will haunt you. You need to embrace them. I talk, to, I talk uh, about the chapter in my book about embracing your adversity. And this is where, and I'm hoping that your male listeners out there are going to get this, men generally are not as comfortable with emotions and touchy-feely things as women are, and we get a bum rap for that. And, 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 and you know, for the most part, deservedly so. But... I don't have any regrets in life. I, I, would I do things over? 
Absolutely. Would I have gotten married at an at an older age a little bit later? Absolutely. You know, would I have uh, – I wanted to be a news anchor. I went to college and studied broadcasting and communications, and I wanted to be a news anchor. I gave up my career when I got married. Would I do mm. it differently? Absolutely. Do I regret it? No. See the difference between the two? Because I think if I had not gone through those experiences, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. I would not have written a book. I wouldn't be able to be an example. Children model behavior. I wouldn't be a model for my six children. You know, my son, my second son, who's going to be 29 years old this summer, came to me one time, William, not too long ago, and he said, Dad, I need to tell you something. And that's a moment when you hold your breath, when your kids come to you, because I'm like, okay, here it comes. He's either going to tell me, you know, he's gay, which is fine. He needs money. He committed murder. I mean, you know, when somebody, when you, somebody comes to me and says, yeah, we, we need to talk. We need to talk. I'm like, oh, no. God, really? And William, he looked at me and he said, Dad, I don't want your life. And I wasn't expecting that. Mm. And But fortunately, yeah, that's pretty like, I don't want your life. And I said to him, his name's Taylor. And I said, Taylor, I don't know that I wanted my life, but I've made the most of my life. Here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. I said, if you can come to me as my son and feel safe and secure and know that I'm going to love you no matter what you said to me, if you, if, if, you know, if the comment was, hey, Dad, I'm gay or I'm this or that, you felt safe and secure coming to me and telling me what you needed to tell me. I said, if, if, if I gave you that, I did a good job as your father. But I said, yeah. I don't know that I wanted my life, but I've made the most of my life. And you see, that's the difference. Regrets, I think, are really a waste of time. Mm. They're a waste of time. But it's what you do to process those things. It's what fantastic meeting today at Under Armour because I'm looking for, I'm looking for corporate champions. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make a plug for myself. You can go to BobPath.com. You can whatever. I'm looking for corporate champions. I'm looking for pam- people to champion the message of effective and successful communication. And yeah. William, I have yet to meet anyone who says that's a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that that person exists. And so <laughs> I'm looking for people to embrace it. I spent two hours today in Under Armour. Two hours today in Under Armour. And and yeah. really talking to them and really the guy that I met with, we spent an hour and forty five minutes talking about our lives and about, you know, things happen and what do you do with them and fifteen minutes talking about business. So it is what you do with the circumstances and the experiences in your life that will shape your future. What happened, happened. And I'm not saying let it go. What I would argue to your listeners is to process that and own that. And as I talk about in my book, embrace your adversities. And the Chinese proverb, there's great opportunity and pain, is to think about all those things. And how can you be an example for somebody else? How can I make someone else's life different? How can I help someone else not necessarily make the mistakes that I've made? And that's really, I think, why God put us on this earth, is to be that example, to be that light, right? To be the light for somebody else. And to show them that way, particularly if you're a parent. One wants to see, you know, we don't want to see anybody suffer, at least of all our kids. So I want you to expand on this concept as it pertains to uh, interpersonal relationships, and that's the concept of sweep the deck clean. Sweep the deck clean with interpersonal relationships. Uh, now, you're talking about dating, you're talking about marriages. Give me a little bit of anything, help me out here. What any of it. Well, what I yeah. think you need to do, and, and, and what I, and again, I always talk about, let me, let me start here. 
I don't really think there are any rights or wrongs in life. And I think in relationships, and you talked about sweeping the deck clean, uh, you know, we look to place blame, William, too often. We look to, we don't own our stuff. Let me let me be politically correct here. Um, we don't own our stuff. We can't, you can't blame one of my favorite, favorite, favorite books. And I think it should be required reading for everyone in addition to my book is the five love languages. We all have love languages. There are things that you like, uh, you know, better than other things. There are things that you need, whether they're, you know, acts of service or or gifts or um, physical touch or whatever it is that you need. And if those needs aren't being met, then you're not going to be happy. And yet we, you know, we don't, we're not in touch with those things. So if I don't know what those things are, how am I expected to, you know, how can I expect you to know what those things are? So what I've learned is having two failed marriages. And by the way, let me talk about that for just a second. I want to learn from people who have failed. I want to know what they've learned from the failures. I want to know the people who have made mistakes. And I want to know, um, you know, Thomas Watson, who founded IBM, Thomas Edison, all those guys had great failures, great mistakes. And what they said was it was an opportunity to get it right, an opportunity to do it again. But you see, that's the difference. We got to, you know, we, we pick ourselves up, we start all over again. But I want to, I want to learn from people who have made mistakes, and I want to know what you did with those mistakes. I want to know what your worst, you know, how did you get out of the worst crisis in your life? What did you do? about the tragedy. Listen, William, the tragedies in our lives define us or they destroy us. There are no, two, there, there are no other options. They will define mm. you or they will destroy you. So you'll wow. allow those, right? You'll allow those personal circumstances. I told you I came from a broken home. I was a latchkey kid before anybody knew what it meant. I moved out when I was 16 years old. So those tragedies in our lives will define us or they'll destroy us. I had one sibling. He passed away at the age of 54. He was on a very self-destructive path when my parents divorced. The tragedy in his life, my parents' divorce, destroyed him. And so he became, you know, angry and bitter and self-medicated and got into all kinds of things that ultimately ended in his demise. There are no no, no other options, William. Define you or destroy you, you see. You can't, it's no middle ground. It's the middle ground, so you either embrace it and say, okay, I'm not going to be like him. I'm not going to be like her. I'm going to do it differently. I'm not going to treat my children that way. I'm not going to treat my spouse that way. I'm not going to be that guy. Or right. you are. There's no middle ground. You can't, you can't kind of be that guy, right? You can't just be a, you know, a cheater on the weekends. I mean, you're either that guy or you're not that guy. And yeah. so what we need to realize is the, the, the tragedies in our lives define us or they destroy us and that's it yeah there's really really no middle ground as far as you know as far as i can so cleaning the debt let me answer your question so i've been single now for almost six years and again i applied this all to myself personally i know what i want i know what i want my friends i know what i want in relationships i know what i want and it's a beautiful thing when you finally get to a point in your life, and I'm, and I'm grateful that in my 50s I've come to this because, quite frankly, a lot of people never come to this, and they struggle with this, and they don't, just don't know what it is. I've always been grounded in my faith, always. 
and it's always been a place that I've gone back to. And so I know now what it is. Now, if I meet someone, okay, who doesn't, you know, it doesn't work for me, do I make them wrong? Do I say, well, you know what, and think about this because we do this all the time. I'd be happy if you would do this, this, or that, or why don't you do this, or how come you never, or whatever. That's that's wrong. We can't expect anyone else to make us happy. You have to know what it is that you want, okay, from whether they're relationships, you know, relationships across the board, you have to know what it is. And you have to articulate that. And so if you're if you're surrounding yourself with people who don't make you feel better about yourself, who don't give you that energy, then you need to find other people. But don't blame those people. It's kind of like, you know, there's a great children's book called, you know, Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. And I talk about who's on your bus, who's on your team. One of my favorite talks is who's on your team. Who are your mm. go-to people, William? Who are your go-to people? And so let's, Let's spend our time, you know, in this life surrounding ourselves with people who make us feel good about ourselves, who people who radiate energy, people who that we can't get enough of, make us feel good about ourselves. When we walk away, you know, I have a number of people who say, my son came to me, my 20-year-old son who's been going to church with me lately because he came to me and he said, Dad, why do you go to church? And I said, you know what? Sometimes I just need the quiet. I just need to be, you know, one-on-one with God or whatever's going on in my life, and it gives me peace. And he said, you know, I'm feeling kind of empty. you mind if I go with you? And three times this week, I go to church every day, three times this week he's Mm -hmm. been in church with me. One time he got there before I did. And this is a 20-year-old boy, you know. How many 20-year-old males are going to church? Yeah. Not many. Not many. That's right. And so I, I think you need to feel, you need to say, and you need to, you need to own it, William. You can't, you know, it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people say. One of my favorite quotes, i got to find it, who said this, I wish I did. What other people <laughs> think of you is none of your business. What other people think of you is none of your business. Who cares right. what other people think of you? Because they're not, and I tell people all the time, don't walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in your own. You know, you, you lit, right? Don't walk in my shoes. You know, nobody knows what you've gone through. Nobody knows your the successes and the failures, and nobody knows what got you to this point of who you are. And so, in relationships, the cleaning the deck, I'm very, and I'll use this word, I'm very intolerant of of um, you know people that sort of don't fit into the framework of where I am right now. And I'm not sa- I'm not judging them. My intolerance yeah. is that I've got a very I've got a very limited amount of patience for people. I know what I want. Remember, I told you at the beginning of this question is I know what I want. Yeah, I know what I, I know those love languages. And so if I'm operating, for, you know, with a person who doesn't speak my language, ask yourself in all those relationships: Are these people speaking my language? And if they're not, you know, bless them and thank them. Everybody comes into our lives for a reason. They really, really do. Your job, your job is to understand why. You know, what, what is this person, you know, are they here to teach me a lesson? Are they here to give me a gift? Are they here to, is it a wake-up call? You know, why is this person here? You know, and again, let's go back to how does it make you feel. Whenever I'm in this person's presence, I feel challenged. I feel, I feel insecure. I feel inadequate. I feel inferior. You know, where does that come from? And, and 
Do you want to be with that person? It's okay. They're not wrong. It's just not the right person for you at that place in your life. We need to surround ourselves with people that make us feel better about who we are. And that's the whole, yeah. you know, cleaning. I find this sadly, is most people have not done the work. Or, you know, we're kind of just drifting through life. We're drifting through life. So let's let's take it back to the actor. But, you know, it's a... You know, and, and what is it, Shakespeare, that said all the world's a stage. And so there are a lot of people who this is an audition. And I don't, this is this is not an audition. This is your starring role. This mm, is your star. Yeah. You're the, you're, you're, right? You're the star. This is your play. This is your movie. This is your scene. And you're the star. Not an audition. And so our job is and our challenge is, is to get to that authentic self you know, to get to who we are and what we are and find out what it is that, you know, why do you want to do what you want to do? Why do you want to be an actor? Why do you want to be a writer? Why do you want to be a speaker? You know, what is it that you want to do? Where's your passion? You know, you're passionate about something that the saying is you never work a day in your life. You know, be passionate about whatever it is that you want to do and realize that and embrace that. And and I even found that, you know, it's it's, it's been a challenge for me. Uh, The beauty of it is knowing what I want you know, and, and in fairness to other people, you're not right for that other person either. I mean, it's 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 just it's a formula for disaster. So, so mm, uh, yeah. you can move on. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, Bob, uh, we're coming up to about uh, got about three minutes left. I think we wow. have time. Wow, to... really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> we're having too much fun here. Yeah, time goes we fast. Are. Yeah, so we're going to just wrap up. I have uh, one other question, and then at the end there, just uh, tell me what you have coming up next, I guess, as far as book signings or roles and things like that. But before we get to that, the the last question I had here was just talk a little bit about the the concept of uh, controlling your own destiny. You know, control your own destiny or someone else will. Wow. Um, That that really, um, you know, speaks to letting go. Uh, of things, um, that controlling your own destiny speaks to authenticity. It speaks to you know what defines you. It speaks to what you're you know what you're all about, what you want in this life. Um, or it's absolutely true. Or others will will sort of uh, you know. I spend a lot of time you know em- embrace the silence and em- embrace the um, the solitude. And really, really sort of, you know, think about working out. Okay, you start working out and you know the expression, you got to work through the burn. Um, I think emotionally we need to work through the burn. You know, we need to spend that time. It's hard. You know, it's hard being alone with your thoughts. It's hard being alone with your your successes and your failures and, uh, it's hard being alone with your with your your past, with your mistakes, with all those things. But unless you do, um, others will define you, and you'll continue on that same path. And so, um, I you know I would end that question really uh, with with that thought. I mean, I think you need to get you need to drill down. And I'll tell you this, and I'll tell your listeners this: it never ends. I mean, life mm. is um, life is a is a series of learning experiences and events and circumstances and lessons and all those things, and it's it's constant, it's continual. And we're always learning and we're growing, and so unless you embrace all those things, others will uh, will define it for you without a doubt. What's next? What's next? Um, 
April the 9th, we'll be at Crave, which is down near you. It's in Bethesda. We're doing a lot. We and what we're doing, and I'm very excited, um, is we're doing a lot of the sort of events that we did tonight at Roy's. It's called An Evening with, with Bob Paft, where we're engaging crowds of, you know, 50 to 100 people um, that are coming in, and so we're feeding them, and, and uh, and it, you know, it's a great connecting, it's a great sort of networking type of event. I talk for about 15 or 20 minutes about the book. It's not a traditional book signing, although everybody does get a personalized, you know, signed copy of my book, and I'm there to speak to folks. I take questions, I engage people, we get business owners, we get professionals, Tonight, for example, we had folks from the University of Maryland Transplant Center. We had somebody in HR from Johns Hopkins University. We had a representative from Under Armour. We had somebody from Converse. We had, you know, business owners from Leesburg, Virginia. And, uh, you know, act, we had actors and we had models and we had uh, uh, an agent and a manager there. Great, great mix of people. I mean, I, I'm old enough to connect. And, yeah. uh, and so what I'm looking to do, and we're doing that, but we're also talking to – we're looking for a TV show. We're looking to take this. We're talking to, um, uh, you know, um, lots of folks uh, around the country, around the globe, to take this message, um, uh, you know, to the world, really. And – I look at myself, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll end on this note because I know we're wrapping up. I'm a messenger and I feel honored and I feel privileged and I feel very blessed to not only have crafted it, but to be able to articulate it. But I'm really a messenger. Uh, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing. And um, folks are getting that and they're understanding and they're embracing it. But I'm looking for soldiers. I'm looking for people to get it. I'm I'm grateful for, for, for you. Uh, I'm grateful to you for reaching out, for understanding it, and for giving me the platform to really have a discussion like this so other people can um, can get on board, really, truly. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, you know, Bob, it's it's been a real pleasure talking to you this past uh, this past hour. I think I've learned a lot tonight. I think uh, our listeners are very pleased. So I just want to wish you a very good night and a blessed week. Thank you so much, William. Absolutely. Let's stay together, and, and uh, you know, this uh, we're, we're going to take this message global. So I really appreciate you helping me out uh, to get the word out there. Hey, sure thing. Okay, man, you have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, William. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. And, folks, uh, let me leave you with this quote from Abe Lincoln. He said, to believe in the things you can see and touch is no belief at all, but to believe in the unseen is a triumph and a blessing. Good night.